Welcome to Hash Time with Navguzi Chuanuka. This is a place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health, emotional well-being, and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I'm your host, Navguzi Chuanuka, and I cannot wait to engage with you in the various conversations. For this 97th episode, our guest is none other than Nandala Matthew. Matthew is one of the first Ugandan professional dancers I got to know. And forget the side gigs that you do with your talent. Nandala, as you will hear in the conversation, knew from the get-go that being a dancer was or is the dream to chess. And like any dedicated achiever, he pursued nothing else other than that. In this episode, Nandala re-emphasizes our 2023 theme of being intentional like never before. If you're the kind of person who acknowledges the fact that progress is not always a straight curve, sit tight. If anything resonates with you during our conversation, share with us on social media with the hashtag HDNKInstation. Here's Monitor Yourself. Nandala Matthew, welcome to Hashtag Nambuzichwanuka. Yo, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and can't wait to see where I'm this heads I'm honored. To. Do you know what this means? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm also happy to be here and meeting you for the first time. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I am excited. You are excited? Yeah, I'm excited I was about too. to ask you what you feel based on the emotional will that I just shared with you. Mm. What is it exactly that you feel? then you're talking about excitement should we go with that excitement i feel cheerful you know when i of course when i look at this i feel cheerful it's a good mood today i woke up knowing that we are doing this so it's like i have to let me do it for once and for all and you know yeah so it's i mean i feel cheerful you know Mm -hmm. can't wait to see what i share with you thank you so much for honoring the invite you are most welcome let me tell you when i sent you the email Mm. because i got the email from your facebook page Mm -hmm. and our culture Mm. people don't really follow up on emails so i was like okay i've sent him the email in the morning oh be polite enough, call him. Yeah. And yo, hey, I sent you an email. Did you see it? (laughs) Only to be shocked. Mm. Because when I picked up my phone, I was like, I think 8 a.m. is a better timing. Mm -hmm. Polite enough to reach out to someone over the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And when I picked up my phone, I was seeing a response on email. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about this culture? What is it that makes you very responsive to emails? <laughs> because people prefer WhatsApp mm-hmm. and uh, anything social media. I mm. feel like emails are old age. And yeah. at some point I was like, mm, could he be influenced by the kinds of people he's working with? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you know, I am this person who is in all categories. Like I know people, there's a certain class of people that still want to go with emails Mm -hmm. and uh, actually those are even more professional you know whatsapp is just you know having such a conversation on whatsapp i feel like it's not the right place you know so i always check my emails i check my whatsapp because everything surrounding my work has been done by you know on, on social media you know so I always check my social media accounts my messenger my instagram oh, yeah. dms 
my WhatsApp. I'm always there because I mostly work online. All the connects that I have, they have been from, you know, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you want to be growing up? Well, um, I, I love dance so much and it's been my, like, right now I even feel like God is showing off because it's, <laughs> it's like I'm living the dream already, you know. It, it's just that, you know, we keep wanting more and more. So I still feel like I still have a lot to do. But to be honest, I'm thankful to God that I all the things that I dreamt about. I wanted to be an international choreographer and Dude. it already happened. Yes, I mean... You know those days when we had just started, we used to look at the likes of Jabberwockies, if you ever watched America's Best Dance Crew. Like I would see those guys performing and I'm taking a picture of myself on that stage, you know? Because uh, it has been the, that spirit of wanting to learn more and more that has gotten me to all these other spaces, you know? Because one thing I know is that they say, and you know? <laughs> hey, are you yeah, yeah, that's like new. I worked for Matthew, it. That's I, new. <laughs> they usually say a kumbi or a kalam. No, the other thing is into your tezidim. When you sweat for something, because I would wake up and start doing practice without knowing what I am going to do, you know. But because I have this much love for, it's like there's no sweat that goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think God is always watching and knows that, okay, this, this person has really given his best to this. And then he keeps on unlocking doors and, you know, you keep going. You keep, if you keep with the same spirit, you will find yourself in places that you never imagined you would. Just like the way I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a dancer who, ha- who is from not an okay background, you know, like I have been hustling on the street and I don't mean like I stayed on the street, but I mean, it's been a hassle, you know, but I have been able to achieve all these things. I've gone to the biggest dance studios. I've met the best choreographers in the world. And I feel like right now I'm living my dream and I would really want to contribute to the coming generation and also Because there's a, a lot of, if to make it out of Uganda, you really have to be on top of your game, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. workshops all over, you, you have to be on top of your game. So that, That's the thing. Mm. I feel like there is something in you that I see that is not really common with the other dancers that I might be seeing. Or maybe it's a little bit, not so much an industry that has been exploited by people that may have interest in dancing. Mm. But then I see you you come up with a choreography mm. and there are challenges globally. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you take us through how you got to that? Oh my God, do you know that we are having this conversation and you didn't introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Ah. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> chicka, chicka, chicka. Chicka, chicka. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, well, I am Nandala Matthew, a dancer, choreographer, performing artist, and a dad yeah, yeah, from oh, Uganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest will find out as we go forward, you know, but basically that's it for now. Yeah. Right. Mm. So when you look at yourself as the person who is living your dream mm. right now, mm. At what point did you start having this dream? Was it from ABDC or even before ABDC, you had an interest in dance and you felt like this is what I want to be in the future? And why I'm really asking you this question is because when you look at what we are molded into as children, we are given options either to be a doctor, an accountant, those kinds, you know, that. Mm, mm, mm. Dance is a rarity. You cannot hear anyone 
encouraging their children to be dancers. Hey, my God, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, be yeah, and yeah. go and dance with a willow long over. Yeah. Is that a dream that you've had from childhood? Yes, this is uh, you know, like in my family, you know, surprisingly, I'm the only person who has like a dance background in my family, you know. Like no one else is really interested in it. My brothers, my sisters, so I was just Even I would say parents? the chosen one. No, no one was dancing. No, 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 no one. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, the time I was growing up, uh, my dad used to those days in the 90s, you know, he was a fan of uh, uh, Congolese music, you know. At that time we had the likes of Pepe Kale, Kanda mm-hmm. Bongoman, Olivia Ngoma, you know. So he used to play a lot of that music. So that's actually the, the the dance style that I started with. And I was just learning from TV, you know. I was just a kid. I have this funny story. Oh, my God. Like, there was a time I was young. Like, this is how much I loved dancing. That in our neighborhood, we had someone. He was like, an, you know, an old person who has passed out, you know, like who, you know. And we go there, they play music, you know, people are, you know, are there trying, yeah, they ignore, and me, I'm dancing, and people still enjoyed it, like, they all covered me up, and I'm like, what is a funeral, I'm turning it into a party or something. (laughs) Well, we could take it as a celebration of that. Exactly, yeah, you know, because that that was, I mean, when I remember it now, I'm like, what was I doing? Oh my God, people people are mourning and I am dancing, you know. But maybe I'm glad I put some smiles on people's faces and, you know, who were so, like, sorrowful and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And seeing you going through all these stages as, maybe as a child, Mm. and then going to teenage career-wise, mm. is there any shift that you might have experienced feeling like, okay, maybe I can do this and also dance at the, on the side? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, the time I was... It's like me, even up to date, like, the only thing I think about is dance. Like, even when I'm... Okay, this is when I tried singing. Ooh! Yeah, I mean, I tried singing, and uh, I, I used to love the guitar. Actually, even in my choreographies, when I'm choreographing a song, like... Songs with guitar catch me like I, I I love the feeling the guitar gives me. You know, it's very sweet. So it used to be my favorite. I started learning. I, I was at church. You know, we had a Baptist church, and we used to have like uh, we used to call there were like youth gatherings. You know, we called it uh, crossover. You know, we'd go there, play games, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and all that. Share a lot. You know, like I grew up in that kind of community too. So with other students from different schools. So that's where I started learning guitar. It was a Baptist church in, in Imbara. You know, mm-hmm. that's where I grew up. And uh, yeah, I used to love the guitar so much. Yes, I tried singing for some time, but then after <laughs> I went back to dance because there's a time I reached, I'm like, okay, I need to focus on one thing, you know. I know we have people How who... How old were you at that time? Um, that time I was in my, uh, let me see. I was in teens, you know, like uh, maybe... F- and wow. you're already deciding that you had to focus on one thing. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. I know that there is when I would make a shift, but then at the end of the day, I feel like I, I always would come back to dance. I'm like, this is the thing I know best. This is the thing that lights up my soul. So I, I want to stick to it, you know. And then that's when, because I even had a group in Imbara. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I started this with, everyone was trying to find a, you know, another career, you know. As they were older that, than me. Is that Edu? 
Uh, no, no, that, that was before I made IDU. This was called our true dancers. You know, it was a, a, like a popular uh, dance group in Imbara. And all these guys were older than me, like I met them, you know, but I think my drive was so much like I, the spirit I had in me. All of them channeled and, you know, they started working in different places. But me, I was like, I need to stick to this. So I became like a solo dancer for some time before I met IDU. We actually met IDU. I met them in a, in a competition, Hot Steps, in oh, yeah. Embarras. They, they came, they were staying in Kasese. So they traveled from Kasese to Embarra because the audition was only in Embarra in Kampala, in Masaka, or something of the sort. Yeah, if you ever heard of that. I knew Hot Steps, but mm. I didn't follow it up so much. Oh, really? <laughs> it was a thing. I mean, if you are my age, like, every time, you know, it's 8, 8 p.m., we know we have to be on NTV. And, and you get to watch it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, it was, you know, th- that's how I met them. It was there a moment when your parents sat you down and they were like, mm, my son... Our son. Yeah. Please, what is this that you're doing? Uh, so now, unfortunately, growing up, um, I lost my mom when I was in my uh, primary seven. Oh, yeah, I remember that. that day we were going to do uh, to fill the form X. We call it form X. So What's I went form from X? school, go back home, and she was in the hospital for some what days. What is form X? It, these are forms we used to fill before you got to do the like the national exams. They're called X. It's a, it's a form. Uh-huh. Like, I think here you're declaring your name and da-da-da-da. It's a form then, that we used to fill before doing, was it, what was it PLE. called at that time? PLE, before doing PLE. Yeah, we had it's that. Form X? Yeah, Form X. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I remember that day. So we had that time when you're going close to doing the exams, you fill that form. So I was, that day I was filling the form, then going back home. Like, my mom was already in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they told me, ah, mom has passed on. And da, da, da. So unfortunately, I didn't really grow up with, you know, that mother care. Towards and, the exams? Yeah, towards the exams. You, you never filled it? No. Mm. Now I'm looking at your loss with you going into the national exams. Yeah, yeah. I did fill the form, but I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, it was. Or maybe it I was forgot. I mean, sure. forgot that's a long Form time X ago. So <laughs> I, I think me, the done. reason why I remember it is because I know that is the day my mom passed on. Like when I went back home, I was from school, and they are telling me, "Okay, we have bad news. Mama has passed on." And so that stuck in my head. So I still remember, you know, that form. That's that's a lot on a child. Yeah, yeah. So How, were you? Do you remember anything that you might have experienced, like some sort of confusion? You know, of course, when we talk about grief, Mm. it has the different stages of denial and anger and all those things. I tried to, actually, I didn't even cry that first time, but I was, you know, because I'm this person who likes holding on to things, you know, and like, I I think it, it, there's a way it affected me, but I couldn't see. At that time, I was a kid, but I know I went... That whole time I didn't cry, and when I went back in, in, in bed, like it was at night, I just saw tears flowing, you know. That very night? Yeah, 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 that very night I was, you know, I was feeling, you know, so sad. And, and the fact that I was a kid, you know, like I was confused, of course. I, I didn't know how to take that in, but I loved my mom so much. And, yeah, so unfortunately I didn't get that chance to, you know, to have that mother love, you know, it was for a short while. Mm-hmm. And then my dad, so I grew up with my dad after that. And uh, the one thing I, he's also, you know, he passed on, unfortunately, in a, 
in 20, uh, 2020, yeah, the time of COVID. Oh, the COVID. Yeah, time of COVID. But um, he gave me the freedom to do what I wanted. That's the only, like, I, that's why I thank him so much because from our time, having a parent, you know, leave you, go do whatever exactly. you want, you know, that was like, you know, I, I, that's why I thank him so much because if it was maybe somebody else, they wouldn't want, some people might even disown you because you're not doing what they want you to do. But he also noticed that I loved dance so much and he supported me. Even the whole time I left Mbara and went to Kasese, he, you know, we just talk on phone, but he was okay with me. Like I tried to find my way out after my, uh, you know, my senior six, the high school. That's when I started now going so deep into dance and trying to look for opportunities here and here, looking for people to team up with. And yeah, so I really thank him for that. It's not like he supported me with money or for mm -hmm, me to go in mm -hmm. classes, but he just let me do what I wanted. Without you know? castigating yeah, you? No. Or, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So it important. was that type of, yeah. Mm. You've talked about 2020 as the year in which your father passed on. Yeah. And I remember you going through, I don't know how to call it, but mm. I would term it as an emotional, you know, drain or turmoil. Mm. Would you love to speak on that? Oh, wow. There's so it, much to say. Was on... it, is it something that came from him passing on? Uh, no, actually, he pa the time he, you know, it, this was like a terrible time, you know. The time he went, he passed on, mm -hmm. I was also admitted in the hospital. Oh. Yes. So I, I remember the last call that I had with him. I was, you know, you know, I was hallucinating and seeing all these things that were not there and getting information that is, you know, like, that is, so I, I remember we talked to him. He really tried so much. At that time, he wanted me to come back with my family. You know, he, he even sent us some money because the situation was so bad at my end. I had spent so much money and, you know, the year had just started. I wanted mm -hmm. to get myself back up. I have a kid. I have a girlfriend, you know. We had done, you know, there when you're renting, they want their money whether what or what, like you have to pay at the end of the month. And we barely even had, so he was, he knew what I was going through. You know, like a parent, I think there's something that speaks to them and they know that you are not okay. Yeah. He also sent me some money during that time because I had nothing, you know, like that was the worst year ever, you know. Mm. So I was in the hospital the time he passed on, but they didn't tell me. They told me till like the doctors told uh, my family that you can't tell him this news. It was going to worsen his situation because I was already admitted. I was depressed. I had, you know, I'd used some drugs as well, you know, like I wasn't okay, I wasn't there, like that was, you know, the worst time. Mm. When you talk about the usage of drugs, was mm. it for medication or do we look at it as something that was helping you to escape the, you know, the mess that you're experiencing? Exactly that. You know, I actually never used to be a person who uses drugs, but, you know, certain situations get you in some spaces that you didn't expect, you know. Actually, that was all still the same time that I was, uh, it was time of COVID. So, yeah. you know, it, it started off, they started locking everything down mm -hmm. in Feb. Yeah, so that time we we're all staying home, you know. Everyone is trying to look like getting an opportunity to work during that time. Then you, you, you were so lucky to have that. But I didn't have it. But then until there was a, a theater show, 
that was looking for dancers. It was called Queen of the Night. It was a huge show that we, you know, we were doing. And, uh, you know, they called me up, they made an audition, and they selected me. It was still that time of, because that, that time I was trying to look for opportunities here and there, because no one was working. People were home, and you have to feed, you have to, you know, live life, you know. Yeah. But I had no option. I just spent on my visa, and I was, uh, it was expensive. So, like, you know, a year is starting, and you're like, okay, now I've spent everything. We are going to start afresh, because mm-hmm. I just brought my family there in 2019. It was a couple of months, and then we went into COVID. Right. So, that time I left my family, we were in Guangzhou, and uh, I went to Beijing, so when I went to Beijing, I found there were Cubans and Russians and Americans that I was, I was the only black person on the team. But I wasn't okay, you know. I was like a dance machine. You know, a dance machine is someone who is doing now dance for money, but not, it's not coming from the heart. Like, you know what I mean? So I had become that. I was there because I you had no option. Money. I needed the money. I had nothing to do. So now when I stayed with this guy, he's a, he's just a friend from Cuba, he used to smoke. He was he, he loved smoking and all of that. I don't know if you also noticed that I wasn't okay because I had these mood swings and I liked being alone. I was even smoking cigarettes. I was drinking alcohol and all of these things because mm-hmm. even when we would go for rehearsals, like I was so lazy, you know, like I, I don't even want to dance. I want to like, I'm just here because I want to just get money and support my family because that route was running on my head, you know. I was this side. My family is in Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend is not working. We have a baby. It's COVID. You have to Yo, fix it. You have to <laughs> fix it. You know what I mean? So right. all of that pressure was on me. But when I started smoking, like, I actually used to, for me, it had become a habit because it would give me, I, I never used to sleep well. But mm-hmm. whenever I would smoke, I would get appetite for food. Actually, I was looking at it more like it was helping me eat and sleep. Because when I'm not, like, when I was sober, you know, it would, I would have difficulties sleeping. But when I smoke, I feel tired, you know. So I started getting um, hooked on this drug. It was called hashish. Okay, it's best there, or is it hashish? Everywhere? I think it is everywhere. There's so many drugs that I also don't know. I hear this type she, of is she a shish? hashish. Uh, oh, okay. Hashish. Okay. Is, is hashish uh, the the name for it for the drug, globally, yeah. or mm. is it the Chinese name? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think it's a Chinese name. Hashish. I I think it's that's how they use it everywhere. Uh huh. I've never yeah. heard of it. You've never heard of it. I've yeah. Heard of marijuana. Yeah. Cocaine. Yeah, so that one was called hashish. It's more like weed. Anyway, I don't even know how I was doing it. Like, it's, I don't even know how to differentiate these drugs. No, you know, like I don't really have that much experience. Because in them. you were new to it. Yeah, I was new to it, and uh, and the problem with me when when I got hooked, I started using it a lot. You know, like I'm that person who can be too much onto onto something. Like, and in the process, like. It made me feel good, and even when I was like uh, going for dance classes, there's a way it would give me a vibe. I, every time I'd started going to classes when I'm high, you know, like because it would give me the energy and you know concentrate on that. Because when I dance, I would feel so good, you know. Right. That's what we used to do. Like when I, when we smoke, he plays music. There was and we would even go out in the night, like 3 a.m. We go in a, like a during, park during COVID. Uh, this was all during that time of COVID. Yes. 
was that was in Beijing, like they had eased the oh, restrictions oh, at oh. that time in April. You know, it started in Feb, then by April, some places had started opening up. So I was there in April, uh, May, June, and uh, until like August. August is when I had the, like I went off, you know, yeah. It was August? Yeah, it was in August. It was in August. I remember that night it was 26th. I was even supposed to travel to Shanghai, another city, mm-hmm. to have a class. But then that very night is when I got off. Like Because, you know, there is, you made a series of posts that kept following themselves. Mm. And the one that still kept in my head mm. was when you, I think your post was, they want to take me, but they won't take me anywhere. And yeah, like, yeah. What is going on? Like, what is happening? Is this a racial problem? What is going on? Because now when you took up to Facebook and you're sharing all, I don't know how many posts oh my were, God, it was I remember so them following themselves. Yeah, yeah. What could have happened? Did you feel like people on social media made show up or was it a channel for you to express what you were feeling in that time? Yeah, at that time I was hallucinating. I wasn't myself. So I was like... I was I was creating my own reality. Like every time there's something that would come to me, and, and immediately I'm starting to, to think in a very different pattern. So I was just I think maybe because of some of the things that we feed our subconscious, there's a way it stays in there. Mm-hmm. So when you're in this state, you start like information. I don't know where I was getting the, all these of all these things, but I was feeling insecure. I felt like the people around me. Even Vero herself, I told her that, uh, that's my girlfriend, I told her that you you were not right, you know, you're trying to do that, da, 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 da. Oh, you wow. know, so I was looking at everyone, everyone as an, like an enemy. an enemy, and the only person I still had a spot for was my son, Dajan, so I, I was feeling that, all these things that I was typing, that's why I was feeling unsafe, because that very night, my phone stopped working, like it got faulty, so I wasn't on the phone. But in me, I felt like, like someone is after me, they're trying to kill me or something of the sort. So the only thing I had was my laptop and the only access I had was on Facebook. So I just went on Facebook and I was feeling as I'd never done such a thing. It was the very first time. So I started writing things that were coming in my head and like, I'm, I'm not safe, I need help. This is they're after me, da, 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 you know, and people got concerned. Because you know mm. what, when, when you shared those posts, it was also in that same period, I think there, was a f- there were families in China mm. that were having trouble probably with payment of rent and they were being pushed out of the houses, yeah. and these videos were online. So mm. in my mind, mm. I had concluded that was the problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this incident of... I, that, I wasn't chased out of the house because mm. everyone has their own houses and how people are living in China. There are some people maybe who are in overstay. and uh, Anyway, I know that was a very sensitive conversation. I don't know what exactly happened to to those black guys in the the community that ended up on the streets. But with the information I was getting, I heard that maybe these are some of the people that were not living in China legally. And right now, it's like they were following up every foreigner where they stay. Oh, in that period? Yeah, in that period. Actually, it really worked for 
the Chinese government. I think there is even people they wanted to get rid of, but that you know it is a very huge operation starting to chase after everyone. But right now is the time they were collecting information of everyone that is staying in China. Mm-hmm. So I guess those that maybe ran out of houses were feeling insecure because you know it's China and you might if they find you in wrong you might end up in prison. You know. And uh, that's that's what I I thought, but I don't want to conclude that you know everyone was staying. Maybe some were not staying uh, illegally, but then mm-hmm. maybe they just got unlucky and they chased them up out of the house. Me, I, they did not. They just came and did tests. I know that period they uh, closed us in for like a week. It was supposed to be two weeks. They were like, that's the unfair thing that I remember. That I can you know be I was a witness on that that it's only black people. They reach the time and like, we are closing these people in. Maybe they thought we were like super spreaders. Wow. Yeah, because it's like it was affecting their people and some were losing their lives, but nothing was happening to the black people. Whoa. You know what I mean? So I think they felt like there is something. These guys can, you know, they are like super spreaders, but the COVID is not working on them. You know what I mean? So that's why they put only us in. That was only in Guangzhou. So hey, it went everywhere, and after like a week, we were supposed to spend. They even came and put like the is it detectors on the door. If you open it, wow. the police will know. So oh we were. Oh my goodness! Yes, they put. On, that did on, not reach the news. Well, are you sure? I yeah. don't know. Maybe yes, I didn't just see it. Yeah, it was there. They put detectors on on our doors. Everyone who was closed in, and they would write a big note: "Do not this like you don't enter this house." You know. Yes, it was that bad. So we were in there, closed in. Nobody would, if you want something, you're going to call management of like the apartments you stay in and they go buy you the food and da, da, da. they bring you in, but you don't take a step out of the house. That's how bad it was. Uh, you know, if it was all of us, if it was also the child, that would have been fine. But then this really showed that we were being segregated. You know what I mean? Like it was only the black people. You can't step out. Everything. If you want something, give the money to the management. They will go buy whatever it is you want. They bring it back in. But you stay there for two weeks. <laughs> so it went all around. But after a week, you know, they came with flowers and da, 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 da. you know they're trying to show they're friendly. It's because you know there's a way they decide to do their things. You know, like Chinese. You know, sometimes they won't care, but they saw they went a little extra. And then people were fighting back, looking for help online and all of that. Yeah. So, do we get to look at that as something that could have triggered you? Did that contribute to it? I think there was so many. Oh, me myself, even before COVID, um, I think I had started getting environmental stress, and mm-hmm. uh, even before, like I was already depressed. And y- you know, it's uh, and us is there's a way we don't really follow up on ourselves because sometimes you have to know how you feel and. And, or maybe know how to, what it, whatever it is that you are trying to get out of, you know, you have to remind, you know, you have to study yourself, but we don't do that a lot. Mm-hmm. We as Africans, you know, you feel like, okay, maybe it's a bad time. I would stay in bed the whole time. Like I knew I was, it's like the time I got sick was hitting the rock bottom because I was there with my family, you know, I had brought my family. China can be stressing sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you are, because I was a freelancer, you know, so I was also living like a Chinese. So that pressure, I have a family and uh, I just was this person who wanted to stay with my kid. I want him to grow around me. I don't want to be that distant father, you know. 
So when I made some money and all of that, I was like, I want you guys here. You will find a job and then we take care of our son, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And I did that. But when they got there, it's like also the things I had, there was so much going on and they didn't really go out according to plan. So that started stressing me. So my girl was there for like a while and then she wasn't working yet. I couldn't. So I was having that pressure, you know, when you have a family and you're a black guy, it's not like I'm too old, but I'm just this person who can just make a decision and make it want to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it didn't go as I wanted because she took a while. Even by the time I got sick, she hadn't gotten what to do. You know what I mean? Ooh, and so that was so much pressure. Because I, I mean, the intention was she comes, we get her a job, I am also working, and everything is going to be good. But sometimes things don't go our way, you know? And that's I mean, when it's COVID period. It's COVID period. Very unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I mean, even before COVID, in 2019, when I brought them, everything mm-hmm. was going smoothly until it's like I spent every last penny I had to bring them. And I was. Going to have you know jobs in certain dance schools that wanted to hire me. Like you're like, oh, everything is going to be okay. I'm going to have this job. So like you do everything basing on hope, and you're like, okay, let me spend this money that I have. It's going to come back. It's an investment. Yeah, and you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, because I know my sisters also told me, why are you? Why have you brought them in China? Even some of my friends in China, like, like, why would you bring your family here? Because everyone, yeah, everyone is scared to do that. Like, you feel it's it's quite an expense. Or is it just about expenses exactly because everyone is there trying to hustle but you know like and and it's not like i was getting i was a freelancer you know sometimes you get jobs sometimes you want the first time i went to china is we were we were being taken care of by an agency there is a house they give us food they give us our salary and when they come when you have shows they can't pick you up from home they take you to the show you come back we were living that life yeah but right now i was on my own you know what did I you mean? did you did you jump the agency feeling like mm, i need to be on my own uh, no i didn't actually there's something that happened with the agency and it was no more that's how we came back actually before i went back as a solo oh. yes they closed it was like the biggest agency they used to manage uh, bands, models, dancers, and all of that. It was a huge... Life was good. Like, the whole time we went there, things were good. But it was uh, an agency that was basically dealing with foreigners. But I think they also had, like, their dirty work they used to do, you know? Like, because in China, getting visas, if you go to a company, that company must be employing you, and they're giving you maybe a place to stay, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And if you're having this visa, you have to be working in that same province or particular city. You don't get out? Yeah, you're not supposed to work anywhere else apart from the, like, their work visas are provincial. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, it has to be in that same province that you got it. But when we were doing shows even outside the cities we were in, we, had, we were going all over China. So one day was a bad day, and, you know, it all started with a certain team from Ukraine. They went and worked in a city they were not supposed to work in, and the police came after them. And they decided to run. And then that's how everything started crashing down. And uh, this company was stopped. They arrested the bo- our bosses. So, Whoa. yeah, and then that's when we came back here. But if it was still there, I think we would still be with this agency because they loved us so much. And uh, we were doing a great job, of course. But it's because the police came in and started doing, you know, investigations on the, on the company until they closed it down completely. So that's, when, that's how we came back. So when I went back, that's when I started teaching. 
That time I was a performer, you know, we just come and take you. When you're not working, you're free to go to dance studios, hang out with people. You mm-hmm. know, it was, it was a good life. I miss those days. <laughs> that was 2016, 2017. 2017 is when I got to see you. Ah, uh, yeah, that time I was already there. Life was good, you know. We were <laughs> like, I can't even get the image out of my head, the image of your apartment outside. Yeah. It was, the, it was I think, brown. Mm-hmm. And there were already spots that you were doing the dances from. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that time was really so good. Coming to 2020, let me see, when did you return? I returned, it was end of 2020. No, 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 2020, end of like December 28th. I remember that's when I had my flight back. There was a period when you went into, where did they take you? Was it a rehabilitation center? Uh, in in China, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, that was in September. I don't remember the exact day, but uh, it was in September. You know, I was first taken to police, but yeah. Why? What happened? It's because I, I the, the drug I was talking about. Uh-huh. I started hallucinating. I became violent. Actually, oh. the day I was in wait, page, the drug made you violent. Exactly. It's I was like I said, I was creating my own realities and. Uh, I don't know, like I would see everyone like an enemy. I was completely different person. Like how you know someone might switch from this personality to this violent. It was the first time it happened to me. I mean, yeah, but I think it was because what triggered it could have been the drug. I was maybe starting to use a lot of it and I was already going through stuff. You know, sometimes we are depressed, but we don't even monitor ourselves or we don't even Do we try. even know the words? Exactly. You know, I recently, I have a friend of mine, I, don't, I won't mention his name, but uh-huh. you know, when I was talking to him, it's like, us in Africans, we don't know depression, it doesn't happen. And I'm like, right. if we are coming from such a space, then we still have a very big problem if we, we think that go. we in Africa, we don't have depression. He said that those are sicknesses of white people. <laughs> People hold those narratives. Let me tell you something. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone mm. before the COVID period. Yeah. And he held that kind of school of thought. Mm. And he used to shut me up a lot. He was mm. like, stop talking about mental health. Black people, especially black men, we, don't we aren't that. affected by that. And my question to him was, mm. if we are not affected by that, then why is it that we have Botavica? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he kept quiet. Yeah. So when COVID came, mm. I was lucky, happy. I was like, "Oh my God, yeah. he's going to understand." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it means, mm. and he was my target in that period. Mm. So did he, he, did he? Oh, he was my target. I kept yeah. checking on. He was like, "So how are you?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, you didn't give up on your argument. Yeah, wait, like, so how are you? And then I think it was two weeks into the lockdown and he was like, I'm, what did he say? Emotionally drained? Mm. And he made us like, yeah. <laughs> I was very happy because for me, that was a moment of people need to understand yeah, yeah. that there are two worlds that exist. In. Mm, mm. There is an emotional world and the physical world. Yeah. And what I wanted because now why I was even driving this conversation, where I had, where I had started this conversation with him was because he was going out in the bars. Like, you text him 2 a.m., and he's like, I'm in the bar. This is during the week. Mm. He has work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I'm asking him, so are you okay? Are you mentally okay? Mm, he's yeah. like, ah, don't bring those conversations. Black people are not affected by that. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you get to find that in that period when he had an opportunity to run to the bars mm. and run away from his emotional turmoil, 
COVID, he doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah. So definitely you have to deal with your mess. You have to deal with it. Whether you like it yeah. or not. Mm, mm. So I made, it a t- I made it a point. So I talked to him. He managed to come out. Mm. But if you ask about mental health, he's, going to, he's ready to talk about it. Like, yeah. Yeah, he knows thing. now it's real, right? <laughs> I think most of the people that never used to take it as a thing, right now they know what it means because... This COVID has changed people's lives, like how people look at life and all of that. You know, like, imagine these are people who have even graduated, but it's still, imagine if a graduate here, like, still thinks that there is nothing like depression, then we have a long way to go. That's we why I... We the conversations around it. We don't have, exactly. I'm like, then, then this system has to be changed, you know. The things that matter are the things we don't give attention mm-hmm. because I, I feel like if you are not and so many people are working with mental health issues but they do not know no one is talking about it you know right. and this is what and there's no way you're going to do anything or you're going to succeed at anything before you work on your mental health because there's a lot actually I feel like us we even have a lot that stresses us than the, the white people that we think I, these I diseases know. belong to them. It's know. because for us, the system, you know, you know that the, the standards of living here is not the same over there. The struggles that we go through, they don't go through them. Mm-hmm. So I even feel like we are the most affected, but then we do not know about these things and we do not talk about them. We do not encourage people to, to talk about mental health and, and make it, we are having all of this diversion. Like we, they give us things like uh, sexualized music videos and all of that. They, all our attention, is, this is being promoted more than what really matters to a person's life, mm-hmm, you know? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's a lot that we have to do, but instead of promoting much of this, you should have these talks people should know that oh people they because it's because it hasn't happened to them and they don't know if they get themselves in a better state maybe it could even change their lives right. but they do not know no one is talking about it if you if you do that some people will say it's witchcraft <laughs> you know <laughs> for everything we don't understand yeah it's, it's, witchcraft. it's witchcraft you know <laughs> and now people will start sleeping in churches and doing oh, this yeah. when when it is just a small thing we need to mm. enlighten ourselves mm. we need to tell people that hey there is depression, there is anxiety, there, is, there are all these bipolar disorders, ADHD. I mean, there's so many. There's a lot. There's a lot, you know. And already, why I even say that we, okay, this, I think this is just ignorance. But also, I won't put it on our people because the people who are, who are supposed to make things, they are not talking about it. And how are they going to access this information? How are they going to have these talks when no one is talking about it? It feels like even the people we put in positions to help out people on these things, it's like they are owned. For them, they are minding their business because they are okay, they are receiving their money, but the many are suffering. Or maybe they want us to keep like that. I don't know. Right. You know. But these are things that are really happening and they are changing people's lives. People are breaking up and you don't know, but it's because of stress and all of these things. But if people were sensitized about all these mental health issues because there's so many, it's, it's too much. Like people are living with it. It's like for us, we got used to living with it because we are we are those people that are we've grown up in a hard way, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're constantly attacking life when you, you forget to live it, but we don't sit and listen to our inner sides and right. you know, like and and try to understand that there is much more to what we think is their reality, you know. We could be better, but people is like are stuck in the matrix, you know. <laughs> yeah. How long did you spend in the rehab in China? Um, 
I think it was four months. Yeah, four months of no phone, no nothing. No phone. Yeah, no phone, no. Yeah, like I was in there and my, I don't know, I've been in China for a long time, but I felt to learn Chinese because it's kind of complicated for me. (laughs) (laughs) So you're in there with people who are only speaking Chinese. Only. Yes, even there were very few doctors. Okay, I had a therapist who could speak English fluently. We used to have chats. And also some of the doctors understood that. But you can imagine being in there. You just go from bed. You go to the dining. They, I was, oh, they were feeding me. Yeah, I was eating a lot that time. <laughs> when I came back, I had cheap, big chicks and all that. But I was in there. Even the TV shows they would put there in Chinese. So uh, it wasn't like my place for sure. Like the whole time I was asking the doctors, when am I getting out of here? When am I? But, you know, the therapist was telling me that maybe be, it's teaching you to be patient, you know. Sometimes we need, yeah, four months. It was that's, four that's, months. That's a very long time of stillness. I know, you know? right? Yeah. <laughs> because you know, we we it's very hard. We have very many distractions on our devices. Oh yes, yes. Like even in the period when you're having a conversation with someone, they want to pull up their phone to find exactly. out what's happening. What's happening? Yeah. So for you to sit for maybe an hour without a phone, you feel like you're straining yourself. Exactly. Like, what? Yeah, four months without Yay. a phone. You know, like oh man, I'm this person who, you know, social media is also is it has also it's good, but it's also bad. You know, yeah. it's like we are trapped into the phone right now. Like, and these are Chinese people. Like everywhere, when even when they are crossing the road, they're like this. So I think it's we can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. We are trying to, but some of us, it's like all our work is coming from social media so by hook or crook you have to be there you know you have to have your phone with you because that's where now it's interesting your phone is buzzing while we're talking about i know right you see (laughs) (laughs) let me even remove my data you know what i mean so that's me even for us to talk about exactly you know i've had friends everyone is really trying to have a life outside the phone it's like we are all drawn in there we are working for social media but you have to find a balance and they are supposed. Social media is supposed to be working for us, not us working for it. Right. When you're working for it, you have this much pressure. You're thinking about likes. Or today I had a post, so I, I want more views. I need people have gone extra to do things. But I mean, I don't know if it's just this generation or. But I feel like it, it, we are having a shift. The way we used to live life in the nineties is not. We didn't. We didn't even know. Yeah. But I. I feel like we have. We need more of that. Having conversations like this, this conversation, it matters a lot. But the phone is trying to cut us away from this. Oh, now we are comfortable. It's, I'm comfortable texting than having a real conversation with someone because that's a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it has also affected us in such a, a big way. But we can We just have to find the balance. Maybe you're reducing your screen time. But it's like we are constantly... Me, to be honest, I'm trying to find a way how I can... <laughs> find that balance but I can't find but for your you case know. I really understand yeah the problem that we might be having mm. with social media mm. is if you're not earning from it exactly mm. that mm. is where it becomes a big prison yeah it is and uh, that's why I also think that maybe the people who make these apps are quite unfair because like right now African people are really they have nice content but mm. these people the ones that we see on Instagram in, in you know in the western countries they get paid even Instagram like on, 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 on yeah they, when you post you get paid but right here we are trying to unlock that but every yeah, time I try yeah there are they are like oh the, the, like it's the, not yet the, ready the, in the, your the area country. yeah it's not yet ready <laughs> you know you know what I mean and 
people are, are trying to turn this into their lives. Some people, for them, they are working home and everyone wants that. People are starting to do all of these, you know, like they just stay in their house and they get paid. And I'm wondering why is that we are putting in, data is expensive here, but we are still sacrificing a lot, you know. Even me, I'm trying to think one of the most expenses I have is, is the internet because my family is the other side. Like I can't do without communicating communicating with them. with them i have to talk to them on a daily you know here we have we're talking about a kid who i want to have that connection with you know so i have to be i have to talk there i have to use social media you know what i mean right. but then i'm giving my everything i'm putting in money to go shoot these videos look for outfits i'm trying to create a platform for myself so i can get better opportunities mm-hmm. so I, I feel like it's unfair and it i is. don't know why they don't haven't looked because they have all the abilities to do it you know i mean like they can just say okay when you post this you have if you have good content you're going to start earning this much so i'm wondering like what's the reason why african countries are not even tiktok itself we are not being paid here it's just that if you get lucky and get some endorsements that's how you can get but the app itself should be paying you for the services you're doing because you're adding much like you're keeping people on their app but you're not and yeah you're not and you're not earning from it you know that is so unfair. That's why some people, because for us, we are like, now I'm a content creator. That's why I will start thinking of going to live in their countries, even when I would have lived like that in my own country, because mm. I don't want to be this person who will be here chasing after visas, having this, you know, I, I don't like winter itself, but I will be forced to go there because I feel like my life is running around this content creation, but I, it's, it's too much work in Africa. It's too much work here in Uganda. Internet is expensive. Mm. There's a lot that I need. I don't have that money. And I'm a dancer. We don't have those many options, you know. So it's a constant hassle. That's why you feel like the systems are actually changing us from who we are supposed to be. And you start looking for other ways. But you look, you're going to look for another ways because it's, it's, this is what is paying. But what you love the most, because no one wants to do something that they are not interested in. But if you want to keep with the spirit of going forward, you have to do what you like. But the system and all these things that have been put in us, our faces, don't support that. When you returned, were you fully recovered? No. Uh, you know, like when I came back, you know, the whole time I was in there, I was thinking about my family. I was like, you guys, you should release me. I want to go back and be with my family. I start working. Like, that's what I was thinking about. And at this moment, I had nothing. I, had, I didn't have a single penny. And... When I came back here, it, you know, like you have hit this level and then all of a sudden, boom, you're back at the bottom. So that's how I felt when I came back. I felt like, okay, I've spent this many years building my brand, you know, but it feels like everything has ended now. And that's how it felt like. So it started stressing me again, you know. I had this uh, show with the drawer because... I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to, you know, like I feel like the world has ended for me. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like I was going to have another chance. Mm. So when I came back, I still was that person. And now it took me back to smoking again. Oh. I relapsed. Yeah, I relapsed. And uh, I got taken to, to, there's a certain hospital in, uh, I, I also went to, to Butabika. I, mm. I explained my situation to the doctor, but he didn't. You took yourself? You know, I went with my sister. Mm. Yeah, so I told them I've been in China, I've been going through this and that. I, uh, uh, I explained my situation to him and then he gave me the medicine, but I felt like the medicine wasn't working until a friend of mine who went exactly through the same, but for him he was here, mm. he took me to Mbarara. There is a certain hospital, I think they call it ARC, they have, they have a branch in Naguru, 
so, but then here, when I went to these people, it's like, you come and talk to these guys, they will help you, because for him, he also understood my situation. In most cases, these conversations, you're supposed to have it with someone who has been through it. Those are the only people that understand you. But when you start, like, drawing away from people, people will think, oh, I don't know what happened to this guy. Maybe he's proud or he doesn't contact us. But they don't know that you have things running on your head. You're not, yeah. you're not yourself. So he took me to Mbara and... Uh, I met this doctor, I explained to him. The medicine he gave me is the way it really made me active, you know. When I came back to Kampala, oh, all of a sudden now I want to start going back to the studio, I want mm. to be active, you know. I felt like everything was going on well. But you know, there's one thing he told me that he's like, I know we have this medicine and all of this, but the best option would be fighting it naturally. So The doctor told you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kudos to him. Yeah, you, most uh, times they don't give you that. You, yeah, the they don't you give you. Yeah, no, but this one was the one who was like in charge of that uh, rehabilitation center, mm. and I just had like a one-day conversation with him. Yeah, so he advised that he's like, it's okay to take medicine, but the other person they work together. They work together with that doctor. Is like. You have to take it, but the best thing is to do it if you can fight it, you know. And I also felt that effect that when I came back, I was too active, you know. I was too active, but then I reached a point when I missed taking, so I started studying myself. When I didn't take the medicine, I felt like, hmm, why am I feeling like this all of a sudden? So it's like I was, it, 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 I was starting to get maybe used, like it was the trigger, like the medicine. If I take the medicine, I'm active. If I don't... And then I, when I noticed this, I didn't want to be dependent on medicine because mm-hmm. I, yeah, because I'm a very active person, and I feel like if I stick to that, I don't want to be taking medicine the whole time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. How far are we now? Uh, you, I don't know. I'm just you, flowing. <laughs> you're just flowing. Yeah, I'm just flowing. <laughs> <laughs> how do you take care of your mental health now? Uh, you know, good thing is that now I'm aware. Maybe I also used to be that person who never used to think about depression. And with all that we've gone through, yeah. uh, it could even be psychological trauma from when I was still a kid. Maybe me losing my mom also affected me, but it's something I wasn't paying attention to. You know, like we, I think here in Africa, we've all grown up with these situations, but we do not know what it is, you know. Mm. We don't have the money to go and look for doctors who are going to tell us, oh, when I've assessed you, you are like this and this, you need to do this and this and that. We are just, it's like we, we are kind of careless with our lives, you know. We're just right. flowing, you're just doing things. When it's a bad day, it's a bad day. You even think, oh, maybe someone maybe bewitched me, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but right now I'm aware and it's, it's not like I've completely healed because I think it's not a thing that goes just like that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a constant struggle. It's not a struggle, but it's you to keep enlightening yourself and in monitoring yourself and having monitoring all those things. Monitoring yourself. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. You see, when you mentioned that bit where you were looking at yourself and listening to your body or mm. watching your emotions coming from, hey, when I take the medication, this mm. is how I feel. Mm. And when I don't, yeah, why I feel, am I feeling yeah, this? I exactly. think these are very important questions that mm. we need to be asking ourselves mm, mm. if we have to understand our emotional world. Yeah, yeah. So right now I'm also trying to stay as... Because I know, I always see myself like there's when I won't want to leave bed and I'm constantly on the phone like, oh my God, I, we are so much... I'm so addicted to the phone. Like <laughs> when I... Because I'm an active person, like I'm a creative. Yeah. So I constantly, when I feel like, okay, today, I was even talking to that with, with Vero, like this is when days come and I'm like, 
I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be inside the house. I don't, but nothing is happening, you know, like there's no activities happening. I'm trying to be, you know, like we as creatives, we think in a very different way mm. and you cannot be settled when you're just sitting there and you just, the only thing you have your phone, there is nothing going on, you know, like it puts you on this pressure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to mon- keep monitoring myself and, you know, yeah. What words do you want to leave for someone that has listened into this episode? Uh, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. I mean, I'm still in a fight, but when, when I also sit back and look at my journey and all the things that I have overcome, mm. you know, I, I still am practicing gratitude, you know. Like, I know we, we are humans, we want too much. Even when you think like now, even now I'm telling you I'm living my dream, but I still feel like there's a lot to do, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm learning to be patient with myself. So this whole journey, it hasn't been a smooth one and I'm still going. But I know, like I have that at the back of my head. I'm like, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So I'm trying to be that tough person and keep walking and inspiring. And I know a way will be made even bigger ways. I mean, I've already achieved most of the things I dreamt about. Let me tell you, you know? something. Yeah. The thing that I'm very grateful for for mm. you yeah. is seeing your back out there. Yeah. You don't know how much joy yeah. it feels to me. Because at some point it felt like, no, this can't be the end. I know, right? <laughs> this can't be the end. So seeing yeah. you back, yeah, yeah. you started little, mm. and now you, I don't know, I don't know what you feel, mm. but as someone that had been watching you for about five years, yeah, I feel yeah. like you're on the right track. Yeah, and thank you so you. much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm really, I'm you also grateful. You know me, but I'm that person. I, uh, we are those people in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy to meet you today. Like, I love dance so much, and uh, you know, like the whole thing was. I, I also, yeah, but the back of my head, I want to, to, to be a person to set an example. Like, I want to disapprove the generation I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like, even all these people are all surprised that what I've been able to achieve. You know, they see me here and there and, and like, what? This guy used to dance here. We thought it was for fun, but <laughs> I think, you know, I am that How person. Is he traveling? Oh, yeah, I am traveling. Everyone <laughs> wants to do that. There's people in better positions, but they've not had the opportunities I've had. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I'm working for fame or anything. It's like I'm just giving out my everything to, to, to a craft that I love and believe in so much and all these other successes build around it, you know? It's not that it's the aim, I want to be famous. No, 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 no. I'm following my dream and yeah. it has opened all these doors and I still, like, it, that's the motivation that I have. Even now, I'm not saying I'm in a better place. I, I have a lot to do, but I've been able to connect with different people from different walks of life. Like, mm-hmm. At least I'm happy with the circle that I have. I'm thankful every day, but and I know I can do better than this, you know. So I'm constantly pushing. It's a constant struggle, but you know we have hope in it, and you keep doing your thing, you know. Follow your passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's people who value our art. Like that's why when I'm making all these tours, these are the people who really pay here in Uganda. Classes, hey, classes. We are doing classes, but just we use that content to promote outside on you know the outside. Uh, platforms. And These it's are the working. Yeah, and it's working. You know, it's but it's a very big struggle to be a dancer <laughs> here, and you're being hard. You know, because I'm I'm tired of being exploited in music videos. These are avenues that that uh, most dancers think of. You know, being in a music video, but they're being exploited. I've been there too. You know, mm-hmm. because it's it's like a thing that musicians don't really want to 
credit dancers and we have done so much for their work and but it's like they constantly want to keep you in the background because they know most dancers want fame imagine you go to a music video and someone's like people are going to see you in my video that's a win for you who wants to be famous when they don't have even money to buy chikomando you know? oh my goodness <laughs> yeah, yeah actually this is also like uh recently i was seeing a post there's a dancer from uh Nigeria, they also started this argument that, you know, like, why are we not crediting dancers when we have all these awards? There is no category for dancers, and we are the ones. People nowadays will love a song because someone did a, a nice challenge, a nice dance challenge on it. People are doing dance challenges on TikTok. On TikTok, exactly. And this is all work of the dancers, the choreographers. But then we are constantly, no one is listening to us. No one is, is giving us a platform. We don't yeah. know the directors. We don't know the dancers. We don't know the dancers. I had, and never, here in, I had never noticed that. You know what I mean? And, and these are, like, when you go to work with videographers here, um, it's like when you reach on set, they are now the dancers, you know. They want to tell you, okay, now you're going to dance on top of a car. I want you to do this and this. Like, they are not allowing us wow. to share ideas because I am an artist too and I can add to this because you called me because I do something you can't do. You know mm. what I mean? So you need my services. So when I get there, you let me do things my own way. Maybe there is something I'm looking at because when you give me a song and I'm having a choreography, maybe I'm inspired by something. I'm like, okay, I think we should dance to it like this. We should wear like this. We don't have that voice on set. You'll be there and they'll tell you, okay, now it's time for you to dance. It's time for you to dance. Just go on top of this car and start dancing. Like, who does that, you know? That's why I'm staying away from music videos until these people understand that we also commanding for our value. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, they have to really give us that respect because we've done so much. I mean, I really feel so bad when I, and it's not just Uganda, but it's people are having, dancers are having challenges. But dance, and people love it, you know? People love it. They don't even know that dance itself can heal someone. You can be going through something, and when you dance this way, you feel good. It takes you out of all these thoughts that have been, you know, in, on your head and stuff right. like that, yeah. So it's a constant struggle, but you won't stop fighting, you know? <laughs> You're a fighter. <laughs> yeah, At yeah. least I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So I think things are going to get better and... Yeah, we keep doing our own thing because we even ask dancers now trying to create our own opportunities. Right now, I don't want to depend. I don't even know the last time I was in a music video. Mm, but right. it's, I'm surviving. I have my family. It is okay. You know, I'm trying to look for opportunities here and there. And, you know, when you make it out there, that's when they remember, oh, this guy, this guy, you know what I mean? Right, so, right, yeah, right. yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Yeah, yes. you're most welcome. I wish the very best for you in 2023. Thank you I'm so hopeful much. Yeah, thank you for that having me. There's a lot me. more that's going to come. Yeah. I am, you know, I'm also, my head, I'm keeping my head up, you know. I know everything is going to be okay. And like I said, tough times don't last, but tough people do. You're thank a you tough so person. much. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how much I believe in what I do. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation and I think we will have more of this. We need this. We need to create awareness and right. yeah, thank you for creating this. Uh, I hope it speaks to someone out there who's probably going through the things I went through or who's even going through worse, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope it can help them. From this episode, my take home is to constantly listen to my body. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Hashtag Minna Wuzi Chwanukai. If you love what you heard, make sure you subscribe to 
hash time with Nabuguze Chwanka on any podcast platform of your choice and share it with your friends, loved ones, and everyone that you believe is affected by the millennial world around us. Also, feel free to share your insights about what connected with you on social media with the hashtag SCNK in session or tag us. We are at hash time with Nabuguze Chwanka on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter. Our handle is at SCNK podcast. Catch you in the next episode and until then, I hope that you will be monitoring yourself. Ciao.